Coming to DARPA is like grabbing the nose cone of a rocket and holding on for dear life. DARPA's a place where if you don't invent the internet, you only get a B. A DARPA program manager quite literally invents tomorrow. Coming to work every day and being humbled by that. DARPA is not one person or one place. It's a collection of people that are excited about moving technology forward. Can today's artificial intelligence be trusted? What defines trustworthiness? Is industry equipped to produce trustworthy AI systems? Hello, and welcome to Voices from DARPA. I'm your host, Tom Shortridge. For nearly 60 years, DARPA has generated groundbreaking research and development in the field of artificial intelligence, more commonly known as AI. This research has led to game-changing military advances as well as marvels of modern society, such as self-driving cars and the technology that set the stage for AI helpers, like Apple's Siri. In the past five years alone, the agency has invested more than $2 billion to advance AI for national security purposes. But now, at a time when the race to create the best AI technology is at its fiercest, experts at DARPA say we need to recalibrate the direction of research. In this episode of Voices from DARPA, we'll hear from Dr. Kathleen Fisher, the director of DARPA's Information Innovation Office, which is leading AI Forward, DARPA's initiative to explore future directions of AI for national security. Last fall, Kathleen spoke about how to make trustworthy AI and what it will take to push beyond statistical machine learning techniques toward contextual reasoning capabilities so that machines can be more than just tools and function as true partners. The audio you're about to hear is an excerpt from that presentation, which can be found on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash DARPA TV. Anyway, here's Kathleen. So the whole reason why we're interested in trustworthy AI is because of the amazing advances that we've seen in AI-based systems in the last decade or so. If we hadn't been able, if industry and researchers hadn't come up with these amazing advances, we wouldn't really care if we were able to build AI systems that were so trustworthy. These amazing advances have come mostly from machine learning-based systems, which is a family or type of AI-based systems. And these machine learning-based systems are systems that look for patterns in data, and typically very large amounts of data using compute-intensive systems. There's been significant progress in AI over the last 10 years, predominantly driven by dramatic advances in machine learning, in which computers do things that are explicitly programmed for, and deep learning, in which algorithms mimic the human brain. Around 2014 is when the development of Generative Adversarial Networks, or GANs, created a change in machine learning training that kicked off a revolution in media synthesis. Since then, the quality of AI systems' ability to learn and address real-world problems has advanced much faster than experts anticipated, and large language models such as ChatGPT have captivated the world with their ability to answer questions and do other useful text-based tasks. But the question remains, is AI on track to be trustworthy? Sadly, the answer is not yet. So how is that? Well, self-driving cars fail, for example. Tesla holds human drivers responsible. They're not willing to take responsibility for the self-driving software in their car. If you're a human driver and you engage the autopilot, you're still responsible for whatever the autopilot does. Of course, you can say like, well, okay, but human drivers crash too. What's the big deal? 
It's the mode in which it fails, in a very unpredictable, non-human-like mode, the sort of inexplicable. It's like the, the least likely case that a human would fail. So it's the unpredictability that causes this most significant problem here. Then the large language models that produce the superfluent text that can convince people that they're talking to a person. Part of that ease of convincing people that you're talking to a person is our tendency to anthropomorphize, right? The only kind of thing that we have experience talking to at that level are other people. And if you're talking to another person who's able to be that fluent, that comes with that means they have to have had all these other experiences and have all these other capabilities. But that's not true for these AI large language model systems. They don't actually understand what they're talking about. And we can see that by asking it weird questions for which the answers were not previously on the web. For example, which is heavier, a toaster or a pencil? The GPT-3 would answer that a pencil is heavier than a toaster. Of course, now that this is an example on the web, the next version that trains with this will know the answer to that particular question and will have to come up with a different example. Another question that it gets wrong was, which was the second time that Egypt crossed the Golden Gate Bridge? Now, if you were a person and you got that question, you would expect that your listener would say like, what are you talking about? But that's not what, what these systems do. They'll give you an answer like October 13th, 2017. Now those are kind of anecdotal and you kind of want a more statistical grounded way of saying like these systems don't actually understand what they're talking about. So recently researchers came up with such a test. It's called the Winnow Ground Challenge. It's very clever. What it does is it comes up with pairs of pictures and captions where the captions have exactly the same words but they're in different orders. And the changing of the orders of the words completely changes the meaning of the sentence. So here's an example, right? It's a fire truck and it's a truck fire. Completely different meaning. People, when given this challenge, score at the 90% level. You kind of got to wonder about the other 10%. Whereas the, the large language models score 25%, so completely random, showing that indeed they are missing a good deal of understanding. So what does it even mean to be trustworthy? This is actually a very difficult question, and one that researchers themselves have been struggling to define in the context of people, let alone for technology. But the people at DARPA thrive on solving the seemingly impossible, and tackling this challenge is no different. Kathleen explains. So Mayer, in 1995, wrote an integrative model of organizational trust, and we adopt the definitions from that work here for the context of an AI system. And one of the starting observations is that trust is not a single thing. It is definitely a multifaceted concept. And here there are three facets that we highlight. The first is operates competently. It can do something well. And the only reason we're interested in trustworthy AI is because it's starting to be able to operate competently. And this is where we've seen the amazing advances in the past decade. And this is the topic of research that AI researchers have been so focused on for most of AI research is, you know, getting the AI or machine learning system to be able to do anything at all well. And we obviously made a lot of progress, but we still have more to do, right? See the question about when did Egypt cross the Golden Gate Bridge for the second time is a place where we still have more to go in just the competency of AI systems. Then the second area is interacts appropriately with humans, which means, you know, can it understand what we're asking it to do? Can we understand what it is telling us and why it's telling us what it's doing? This is also a really hard thing, right? When submarine commanders go out for missions, they have a set of orders that are actually contradictory. 
They're going to be out of communication for a long period of time, and what they're supposed to do kind of depends on what the circumstances are above water, and they may or may not know what those circumstances are. And so they are trained by going into simulation, and their commanding officers observe how they do and decide: Are they doing a good enough job? Do we trust them to make the right decisions, even though we don't know exactly what they're going to be faced with when they're out in their missions? So how do we develop AI systems that can reason with that kind of level of ambiguity of instruction? And then the third piece is behaves ethically and morally. So first is you know you have to be able to do your job competently. The second is you have to be able to understand what human people want and be able to communicate back to human people. And the third one is you have to have an ethical and moral framework. So even if you're given instructions that you understand what those instructions are, you have to be able to make value judgments about are those instructions ethically and morally okay, or are they not ethically and morally okay? And part of that boils down to: Is the process by which the AI or ML system was developed ethical and moral? Was it developed by people who are representative of the population that will be affected by the system? But part of it is: Can the system itself reason about ethics and morals? And how do we go about equipping the system with that kind of a reasoning framework? Trustworthiness is not the only concern when it comes to creating trustworthy and competent AI. Factors such as reducing costs to produce and train state-of-the-art machine learning models and improving their resiliency to adversarial attacks will be equally important. Then another element of trust is knowing that the system is going to do what it's supposed to, and because AI and machine learning systems are code, we have to worry about attackers corrupting the system to not do what it's supposed to. We also need to think about the resources that are going into building these kinds of systems. So, as we saw these amazing improvements in the quality of the AI and the machine learning systems, those improvements came about through exponential increases in the amount of compute and the amount of data that were going into these systems. To that point, according to the Center for Strategic and Emerging Technology at Georgetown University, the amount of resources going into these kinds of applications. Has been doubling every 3.4 months. That's an exponential curve with a really steep doubling period, and the point is that that's not sustainable. Even assuming that the cost of compute power is decreasing by 50% every year, by half every year, that would put the cost going over the U.S. GDP before the end of the decade. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen, right? Industry might be super wealthy, but they're not that wealthy. So something's going to change. We're going to need to have a different way of improving our machine learning and AI applications to get more capabilities than just continuing to throw more cycles at them in the way that we have been. At the end of the day, who is ultimately responsible for taking on the daunting task of creating truly trustworthy systems? Industry has been driving and benefiting from the AI revolution, but like most innovation, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Industry will solve some of the problems, and the part that industry is going to solve, the DoD will definitely take advantage of those solutions. But the reason why we think that industry is not going to solve all of these problems is because the motivations of industry and the motivations of the Defense Department are fundamentally different. Right, industry is motivated by making money, as industry should be motivated. Whereas the Defense Department is motivated by national security. Right, we need to protect the country from threats from you know nation-state level adversaries. Industry typically is motivated by upside applications, places where if you get it right, everything's great. 
Whereas if you get it wrong, it doesn't matter so much. For example, right, if they recommend a pair of shoes or a book or a movie and they get it wrong, eh, maybe you bought a pair of shoes you didn't really want, but that's not so bad. Whereas for the Defense Department, some of the kinds of applications that the Defense Department is worried about, the cost of getting it wrong could be catastrophic. It's also the case that industry is competing against other industry, whereas the Defense Department is competing against nation-state-level adversaries. And we have to be able to meet them wherever they are in the competition space. Some of the things about the problem space that are really different, industry has access to massive amounts of data. Some of the Defense Department's problems are related and have massive amounts of data. But others, we don't have very much data, or the parts of the data that we're concerned about are really rare or unusual events. Or the data that we have to train on is not at all representative of the data that we might have to work with during a conflict. Maybe, for example, all of the images are now full of rubble, and that wasn't true two months ago. So the training data and the operational data may be very unrelated to each other. Collaboration between government, academia, and industry will be essential to making trustworthy AI feasible and creating the right model for the right job. To do that, DARPA experts think that investment and focus should be applied to three different but related areas, theory, engineering, and human context. So theory, these are the core principles to understand what are the limits, what problems are particularly hard, what things are not possible at all, what's possible in a low data regime, What's possible if there's an adversary? What's possible if you have a symbolic model to build on top of or to refine? For the engineering question, other disciplines have figured out what's the core math and how do you build the bridge from core principles instead of by trial and error? We kind of need to do the same thing for AI and machine learning systems so that we're not building bespoke systems by trial and error. We need to be able to develop the principles so when we build a system, we know in advance that it's going to work. Examples of the kinds of things we'd like to be able to do is be able to decompose and recompose a system and be able to predict what the recomposed system is going to be able to do. We need to have rigorous measurement processes so that we can understand what the performance of that system is going to be. And then we need to be able to develop ways of evaluating the performance of these kinds of systems. Right now, the way we evaluate machine learning systems makes it so the systems are really, really good at getting an A-plus on the test and then failing reality, which is not what we want. For example, ImageNet was this very large corpus of pictures that was put together to help improve the state of the art of classifiers, machine learning systems that classify what are the images in pictures. And this was instrumental in advancing the field. It was hugely valuable. But it's important to remember that we don't actually care about how well classifiers do on ImageNet. It's just a test set for actually being able to classify pictures in the real world for functional operational use. Recently, researchers were worried that classifiers were being overfit to ImageNet. And so what they did was they created ImageNet 2, which was another data set that was selected to be as close as possible to ImageNet. And then what they did was they trained a whole bunch of different classifiers, different properties, et cetera, different training regimes. And they ran this whole bunch of different classifiers on both ImageNet and ImageNet 2. And what they found was a 10 to 15% degradation in how well those classifiers did on ImageNet 2 versus ImageNet. Now remember, we don't care how well they do on ImageNet. We don't care how well they do on ImageNet 2. We care how well they generalize 
across learning on ImageNet to other things in the real world. So a 10 to 15% degradation is really bad because that's what we care about, the generalization. So that's an engineering challenge. And then we care about the human context. And the human context goes from things like, we care about how many resources it takes to build machine learning and AI systems. We don't want to have the number of resources be such that it is threatening global warming or contributing to the global warming problem. We don't want it to be so many resources that only a handful of companies or countries are capable of building these kinds of systems. So that's one kind of human concern. Another kind of human concern is they need to interact fluently with humans, and they need to be able to reason about the human partners, so theory of mind kinds of capabilities, theory of teams. So we are in early days still of understanding all of these pieces. When I talk about these pieces, they are sort of facets of the kind of work that need to be done. We don't really imagine that there would be a program in just theory or a program in just engineering, but rather each program that we think that DARPA would be doing would be some combination of these in the context of solving some kind of problem that would be relevant to national security. That's it for this episode of Voices from DARPA. Thanks for listening. You can check out this episode's show notes for a link to the full version of Kathleen's talk on Trustworthy AI. And you can find more presentations like this from the DARPA Forward series of events on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash DARPA TV. Special thanks to Heather Dees for producing this episode.